pray. God in heaven, thanks for a bright, sunny morning to come together to worship you, God. We're praying right now that your spirit would speak the words over our hearts that we need to hear so desperately from your word. God, we know that right now it's by prayer that many souls will be saved in this state. We know that it's by prayer that those who are struggling to get pregnant and have children would become pregnant. We know that it's by prayer that estranged children are reunited to their parents. We know that it's by prayer that churches are planted, that people are discipled, that souls are saved, that the hurts and the wounds of the, that we carry are healed. It is by prayer, God, that we are believing you are here. We ask that you would speak directly to us this morning, God, as we look to your word. We love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this community. The people of God said, amen. Well, good morning to anyone who's perhaps new with us this morning. My name is Luke. I serve as one of the pastors on staff here at Mercy Road. And it is my great privilege to launch into our second to last Sunday on the topic, sacred We've basically examined seven different things, there's much more than seven, that are sacred in God's word. And we've just unpacked those things because we believe that in that space of sacredness, God's favor becomes real in our lives. And that if we can make what is sacred to God sacred to us, we're going to experience the breakthrough, the overflow in our lives that we desperately desire. And it's just, we live in a world where nothing seems sacred anymore. And so you're like, well, Luke, why are we talking about prayer instead of just talk, talking about like a topic in the world? It's because in the place and space of prayer that the sacred communication between us and God transpires. William Tyndale passionately believed everyone in England, from the king to the servant, should have access to the Bible. A scholar who could speak both Hebrew and Greek, he was one of the first people to actively fight for freedom for the masses, to read the Bible for themselves, to let God's work speak to them personally rather than through the voice of a local priest. Tyndale passionately challenged the church's reluctance to provide Bibles in English. And the establishment eventually grew weary of Tyndale and eventually sentenced him to death. And just before William Tyndale took his last breath, before being executed publicly by the church in England all those years ago, he cried and uttered one final prayer. And the prayer went like this, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And he took his last breath. Tyndale's prayer was eventually granted two years later, ushering in the presence of the Word of God into nearly every home in England, which sparked the reformation of Bibles being printed in English that you and I enjoy today. Prayer has changed the world. Prayer has changed the world. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was crucified, is one of the most gut-wrenching, yet encouraging, painful, yet praiseworthy prayers ever uttered. The Son of God knows what has to happen to him, 
to bring all of us into right relationship with God the Father. He pleads with his Father to take the cup of suffering away if there is any chance, but he knows what has to happen. So Jesus utters these words to his Father in the garden. He says, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. That prayer shows Jesus' obedience unto death that brought us back into relationship with God. And it is a prayer that countless Christians have prayed ever since. It is a prayer of complete abandonment. And through tears and pain, Jesus prayed that prayer. And through tears and pains in 2023, you can also pray that prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Prayer has changed the world. And prayer can change your world and the world of those around you. For example, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. It says, do not be anxious about what? Anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friend, could your life right now be filled with anxiety? And could your life be marked by doubt or dread or impending doom? Because your life is absent of prayer. Could your life be suffering from the anxiety that comes with the normal flow of life's routine? And you're constantly looking to the world for solutions or a coping skill of some kind to quell the anxiety or quell the dread or the impending doom. While God's word promises that prayer and anxiety cannot cohabitate in your heart at the same time. By prayer, anxiety evaporates. A prayerful person is a calmed person, and a prayerful church is an empowered church. But what is prayer? It's possible that you're here today for the very first time. It's possible that you're here today for the very first time at a church ever in your life. That's possible. You're like, well, Luke, I've heard of prayer, but what is prayer? Is it just the repetitions of my grandfather or my grandmother around the dinner table at holidays? Is that prayer? Is prayer relegated to the spiritual or holy elite? Does it only apply to some people? Or is prayer something else entirely? The Bible has been translated into many, many, many different languages. English is the most common language that the Bible has been translated into. But countless languages, not every language on the planet Earth, but countless languages carry the word of God. And it's this beautiful, wonderful thing. And I don't really know a second language. If I can be honest with you, I had a really difficult time in high school with Spanish. I just never got the hang of it. And I had a really, really difficult time with Greek in grad school, and I really just never quite got the hang of speaking it. 
A second language has always been really, really challenging for me, but I do know another language. I don't know a second language, but I do know another language. Luke, how's, how's that possible? Well, it's because I want to define prayer. Prayer is language. Prayer is language, and prayer is the language of heaven. It is the language of heaven that is for anyone and for everyone. And so if you've ever heard that prayer is for a certain person with a certain title, you have been misled, friend. Prayer is for anyone and everyone. And it is a language all in its own. And you might not speak a second language like I cannot speak a second language, but you could learn another language language. In a room of this many people, there are likely two categories of um, humans that I'd like to speak to this morning. Uh, The first category is one who longs to begin praying. And the second category is the one who longs to migrate from prayers over their own lives to prayers over other people's lives. Let's tackle category one first. The one in the room who longs to begin praying. For you, prayer is overwhelming. To you, prayer is overwhelming because you've never really prayed. And the thought of praying is like, no, I, I can't. There's, I won't say it right. God won't hear it right. I'll stumble over my words. To you, prayer is overwhelming because you just, you don't want to get it wrong. You don't know how to do it. You don't know what to say. And so there's this overwhelm that accompanies you with you, uh, you when you think about prayer. If only I could pray like someone that's in the prayer room. If only I could pray like this person I read or this person I heard. There is good news for you, friend. If you would describe yourselves as a beginner in prayer, I don't know how to pray, but I long to, there's good news for you. And the good news is that prayer is language, and language is learned. Prayer is language, and language is learned. Here's what I know to be true about language, that I struggled desperately in high school with a second language. Does anybody else relate to that? You were in high school. Come on, thank you for your honesty this morning. Praise Jesus over your life. Let me just pray for you. Anyways, I struggled so much with learning a second language until I had the opportunity to spend a couple weeks in Peru, South America, a couple weeks in Guatemala, Central America, and then again two other times in Chile, also in South America. And I was immersed. I was immersed in a country and in a culture that spoke the language. It was their first language, something that I didn't know anything about, but I was immersed and surrounded by people that spoke the language. And there is place to learn language in classroom, absolutely. But I learned more Spanish in that time frame by immersion than years and years of, of study. What's the point? The point is, is that prayer is caught 
as much as it is taught. Do you understand? It is caught as much as it is taught. You, friend, you beginner in prayer, you who longs to begin praying prayers over your own life or just general communication with God, if you long for this, you must get around people who pray regularly. You must begin asking questions of those who pray regularly. If you desire and long to learn the language of prayer, you must go to where people pray and surround yourselves with them. 85, 95% of what I have learned about prayer is listening to someone else pray. And that is the beauty and the power of prayers that is a language, and language can be learned. In this particular language, it is caught as much as it is taught. You cannot learn to pray from a 40-minute sermon. That's why we're letting you go early right now. Church is over. I'm just... <laughs> That's hurtful. Prayer is language, and it needs to be learned, but you cannot learn it in a 40-minute sermon. You learn to pray by praying. My five-year-old daughter right now is learning how to pray, and she's praying before we eat dinner as a family, and she's praying before we uh, put them into their beds and close the door in the evening. And right now, my five-year-old daughter's prayer sounds like this. Daddy, 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 I want to pray. Honey, Mila, go, go for it, babe. Please pray. Okay. Dear God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Mommy, is it okay if I say thank you for our house? Yes, honey, it's okay to say thank you for the house. And thank you for my house. Amen. My five-year-old's prayers have a theme, and the theme is gratitude. It's just gratitude. It's like she doesn't know what else to pray, so she'll pray what she knows to pray. She just says, thanks to God for whatever is right in front of her face that she has connected the dots with, oh, that's valuable and good. I'm going to thank the Lord for that, okay? Now, some of y'all in this room need to adopt the mindset and the spirit of a five-year-old child. You must begin by praying like a five-year-old child would pray and begin to express gratitude and thanks to the God of the heavens who gives every good thing. And if there's a good thing in your life worthy of praise and thanks, thank God for that in prayer. I'm not expecting my five-year-old child to be someone she's really not. I'm not expecting her to say certain prayers or make certain connections that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for a five-year-old to pray. You just might need to come to terms that in your prayer, you are still a child. You're an infant. And that's a beautiful place to start. So if you long to begin praying in your life, may you remember this story of a five-year-old child learning to pray. 
And you can say, thanks, God, for the people around me that helped me to become a better follower of Jesus. Thanks for the employment that I do have, for the relationships that I do have, for the good things in my life that are good. Thank you, God. It's a great place to start. And if you are wanting to begin praying and want to say a first prayer, uh, may you remember before dinner or before bed, you can just thank God for three things too. But Jesus in the Gospels does teach us to pray. He does. And did you know that Jesus actually never taught any of his disciples how to preach? And he never taught any of his disciples really how to church plant? And he never really taught any of his disciples how to earn a living? But he did teach them how to pray? He taught them how to pray. He does this in Matthew chapter 6. Would you look at the text with me this morning? It says this in verse 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, assuming that you will, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Jesus immediately warns them, don't do the legalistic showy thing. Don't do it. Don't get out there and start praying big, bold, audacious, God-sized prayers in hopes that everyone will notice you. Be warned. What does he say? Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. It's kind of a rhetorical device here. It's like that's the reward. Being seen was their reward. Verse 6, but when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room. Go into your room, close the door. And pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is, there is, there is a power in this text, church family. The rewarded prayer is the one uttered in secret. It's the one uttered in secret. That might seem intimidating to some of you to the thought of, wait, you want me to go into my room and close the door and be by myself? I hate being by myself. Oh, but friend, in prayer, you're never by yourself. In prayer, you are always in the presence of the living, breathing God. And in that moment, there is a connection between you and the God who slung the cosmos into existence. And there is a prayer that's heard and rewarded and there is an intentional meeting on the schedule between you and God. Verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. And so here he's going to offer a framework. He's going to offer a, a, a framework, a frame for how we can engage with God by prayer. And he says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is another word for the word holy, which is another word for the word devoted. So it could be rendered, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, or devoted is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's just pause there for a moment. 
If prayer is language and language can be learned, then prayer is language for God to hear. Prayer is language for God to hear. Do you know who you're praying to when you pray? Your father who is in heaven. And some of you grew up without a father. And some of you have had bad experiences with your earthly father. And some of you have projected onto God, the Father, what your earthly father is actually responsible for. What if in prayer, your identity became clear again? Why is this so sacred? Why is prayer so sacred? It's because your identity is on the line. Priscilla Schreier says, fervent prayer keeps your true Identity and focus, and focus. He goes on, verse 11, it says, Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's pause there again. It says, give us today, including myself, and forgive us our debts, including, including me, as we have forgiven those that have harmed us or wronged us, assuming that we have forgiven them. The prayer assumes that we have forgiven them. So prayer is not just language for God to hear, it's language for me and others to hear. Prayer is language, and language is learned, and God hears it, and I hear it, and others hear it. And acknowledging your neediness before God is humbling and necessary and a good thing. Because your father in heaven, you have a father in heaven. And there's nothing quite like a child depending on his father, depending on her father. And many of you don't like the idea of God being a father because you've got the baggage and you carry it. Well, carry it to the feet of Jesus today. Because by prayer, our identity becomes clear and in focus. We are a child of the king. You are a good daughter, a wonderful son of God. And it's only in prayer that we are reminded of this truth that carries incredible weight. He moves on to verse 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So prayer is not just language that God hears. It's not just language that you and others hear. It's also language for the enemy to hear. What does that mean? Luke, what do you suggest? Are you suggesting that when I pray, I'm also like praying to the enemy? Not at all. It is by the overhearing of a human speaking with God that the enemy shrinks in fear and defeat. It is by prayer that the enemy listens to how we are being sourced by the one true power, God himself, and he knows he has no chance if he hears you pray because now you are connected to the source of power. It is by prayer that you call upon angelic armies 10,000 times 10,000 to guard your hearts and minds as you sleep, to 
watch over your children as they go about their days. It is by prayer that many lost souls will be saved. It is by prayer that the Spirit is poured out onto believers. And by the mighty precatory prayers that are prayed onto the heads of the enemy's staff, foiling their schemes. If you want to see the enemy evicted from your life, it is by prayer. If you want to see angelic armies guard your family and your children, it is by prayer. If you want to see the church, the kingdom of God, spread like wildfire, it is by prayer. You must know that you are one uttering away from connecting with the God of the heavens and the earth. It is by prayer that God now knows that you are connected to the source of power. And many of you feel powerless. And many of you feel powerless in your home, with your children, with your spouse, with your work. You feel powerless in your community. You feel powerless because of sin. You, You feel powerless, fill in the blank. But could you today come into agreement that you can now become a person empowered by prayer? You can become a person who is now empowered to bring the gospel into every dark corner and crack of this city. And now you are a person empowered by prayer because you're now praying for your spouse who's going through what they're going through. Or you're praying for your child because they're going through what they're going through. Do not underestimate the power of prayer. It makes the enemy shrink back in defeat. May you believe deep down in the very fibers of your being that it is by prayer It is by prayer that the world will change. Prayer will change your world. You just must allow it to by praying. And if you're like, I don't know where to start, start like a five-year-old child. Begin offering gratitude and thanks. It's a great place to start. It's okay No one is keeping a prayer scorecard in your life, competitive people. (laughs) Nobody is being like, that was more like a five out of 10. You've got some work to do. No one is doing that. And perhaps you might be doing that. Well, stop it. Just cut it out. Just like a five-year-old, begin uttering gratitude to your Father in heaven. And allow the framework of the Lord's Prayer give you an idea of how prayer is language. Language is learned. It's language that God hears. It's language that you need to hear and others will hear around you. And it's language that the enemy hears. So now that you've got a starter kit for prayer, there is no reason, brother or sister in the Lord, that you can go about your week this next week and not begin a life of prayer. You have no excuse. And if you come up with excuses, guess who came up with them? You. And the enemy's like, that's a perfect excuse. Now they're not connected to the source of power. Remember that, dear friend. It doesn't matter what you say. It matters that you say. Begin 
a life of prayer. Now that we've addressed category one, I want to address category two. And obviously categories are the quickest way to be like, oh, there's an us and them. And that is clearly not the point. The category is now I'm speaking to someone who has had a life of prayer, who longs to see the life of prayer that they have had uh, go into other areas, that they can begin not just praying prayers over their own lives, but begin praying prayers over other people's lives. They can begin to see it as a ministry, a powerful, effective ministry. Because remember, it is by prayer that churches are planted, disciples are discipled, that lost people are saved. It is by prayer that we will see the kingdom expand in Indianapolis. It is by prayer that this local church will grow. And so category two, the one who longs to migrate from prayers over their own lives to prayers over other people's lives. And if that is you this morning, I want to share just some key thoughts about this. Some general thoughts about how to begin a prayer life that it's not revolved around just you. And it's very important that you, as a follower of Jesus, assuming that you are a follower of Jesus under the sound of my voice for category two, it's important that you pray for you. <laughs> it's important that you pray for your family. It's important that you keep uh, in mind that there are people maybe in your home that need to be prayed for regularly, including yourself. So please fight the urge and the temptation if you're just like, let me go, let me go pray for everyone in my life, but then forget about praying for yourself. That will not serve you very well. So consider it like this. If you can begin a life of prayer where you have sufficiently prayed for yourself, sufficiently prayed for those under your responsibility and care, I think you will be fueled in prayer by prayer to then pray for others as well. The crazy thing about prayer is that the more you pray, the more you want to pray. It is a self-feeding system. When you pray and you begin praying, your energy doesn't go down, it goes up. Everything else in life is the other way around. When you go for a run, you weird runners that run, right? You can only run for so long before your body begins to get tired. It's, this is even true on our devices and on our screens. Our eyes get tired by looking at screens for so long, we eventually get exhausted. Prayer is the opposite experience. If you long to begin praying for others and you have built a life of prayer, praying for yourself and your spouse and your children and your community and your home, and you begin to want to pray for others and you want to begin to pray for God's power to be right in front of you that you can see visibly how God is at work, you will find that as you pray, you will be fueled to pray. It is an assumption to believe, and it's a false assumption to believe, that when you pray and as you pray, you will be um, losing energy in the process. And what the enemy will do to you, dear friend in the Lord, is that he will talk you out of praying for the person in front of you. How many times have we responded to a text message that has said, I could really use some prayer, will you pray for me? 
and we have said, I'll, I'll pray for you. Or I'll, I'll, I'll remember to pray for you. I've been praying for you right now. I'll pray for you later. I'm going to pray for you. Can we just be humans in the room for a moment and confess that it's rare that we actually follow up with the very thing that we said that we were going to do? It's rare. And perhaps just a confession in your heart of hearts to say, I'm only going to agree to pray for those who are asking for prayer. I'm only going to agree to pray if I have 100% intention to do so. And of course, there's times that because we are humans, we will forget from time to time. And, And look, no one's keeping a scorecard again. No one is keeping record of any of this at all. But it is an assumption, a false assumption that when people ask for prayer, it's going to take something from you. You will discover that it gives something to you. It fuels you and fills you. It's amazing how the Lord makes this work. That as you engage in prayer and prayer for others, God is pouring himself and love into your heart and into your spirit. So going back to category two, the one who longs to migrate from prayers over their own lives to prayers over other people's lives. I want to share a story with you to illustrate how you can begin to do this. And it started in Florida, Orlando, Florida. 2017 was the year, and it was at a conference that I was going to. At the time, I was a youth pastor at the church that planted us, our parent church. And I was a youth pastor, and there was a group of pastors that went down to Florida, 2017, Orlando, Florida, for this conference. Now, at this conference, it was a church planting conference, and I knew that going into it, but I was simply going because there was lots to be learned about youth ministry, my current context at the time. It's like, oh, you know, leadership is leadership. It doesn't really matter how it's applied, and so I couldn't wait to go, and so I went. A big, beautiful facility in Orlando, Florida. You walk in, it's just like, wow, it's just incredible structure. They had a balcony, and I was like, that's my destination. I'm going to the balcony. And so after two, maybe three days of just learning leadership principles and spiritual principles and just this privilege that I had to go and learn, I just loved it. I couldn't be more grateful for it. I I found myself in the balcony and only have words to describe this now many, many years later. But I was in the balcony because I wanted to learn as much as I could but keep myself at a distance from the Holy Spirit because I knew he was calling me to something more. It was kind of like a physical reality of a spiritual reality, right? It was was the physical representation, I guess, of a spiritual reality. I'm going to be in the balcony. I'm here to learn, not be in the face of the Holy Spirit, right? I'm here to learn. Just God, stay away. You see, I had been wrestling with an unshakable calling on my life that I knew I needed to get out of student ministry. I knew. I knew it. I just couldn't shake it off. I was trying to. Oh, man, was I trying to. I knew that God had called me to, with a simple call of, Luke, I want you to either plant a church or just go find a church that needs a new leader. I'm down for either. Your choice. I just couldn't shake that. I had multiple people speak that very word over my life several times. I just couldn't shake it. And I'd been fighting the Lord on it for about 18 months, and I did not know what to do with it. And so there I was in the balcony at day three, 
And here we were enjoying this incredible conference. We're learning all these things, but I've got the Holy Spirit at arm's length. And there was this like moment at the very end of the conference. And they're so good at this, right? The very end of the conference where everyone is worshiping and praying. And there's like these encounters with God that are meaningful and real. And I found myself on my knees with my face in my hands, just worshiping. And God just gently, but firmly, what are you going to do with this calling that I've called on your life, Luke? What are you going to do? You're being really stubborn with me. I said, okay, fine, fine. I can't escape you. I've tried to in the balcony, but I'll tell you, Lord, I will do that. I will go and plant a church or I will go and find a church that needs a new leader if, if you have somebody come up to me and place their hand on my left shoulder. Because I was convinced that God didn't know his rights from his left, so I just knew it. But I forgot that the God of the heavens and the earth that spoke light that the God of the heavens and the earth that formed me and you in your mother's womb, that the God of the heavens and the earth that raised Jesus from the grave, that this task would be quite simple for him. And I forgot that. And it must have been like 15 or 30 seconds later, with my face in my hands, I'm on my knees weeping before the Lord that this man came up to me and slapped his big old mitt on my left shoulder. I don't know who he was. I don't know what he said. And I cracked my left eye, and in my peripheral, there was this very large, aged hand on my left shoulder. And in that moment, my stubbornness finally broke. And I listened to God for the first time. And I said, okay, I will do this thing that you have asked me to do. I don't know what this person looks like. I will not recognize them in heaven. I could not tell you what their voice sounded like. I just know that in the moment, the prayers that this man was praying over my life brought me into obedience. This church was planted by an unknown, unnamed man at a conference in 2017. Please do not underestimate the power you have to pray over someone else's life that might bring them into obedience with the Father. Do not overestimate or underestimate your ability to simply obey God's calling and take your hand and slap it on someone's shoulder. And just start praying the prayers that God has asked you to pray. What is the point, friend? Christian, brother or sister, you must obey the prompting. You must obey the prompting. That man obeyed the prompting. He came up to me and he prayed for me and I didn't ask him to, but oh, did I need him to. 
you will have an opportunity, Christian brother or sister in the Lord, to obey the prompting to pray for someone else. You will never know. You could never know how it might bring that person into complete surrender with the Lord. Okay? So if you don't have a life of prayer, begin. As a five-year-old would begin. And if you do have a life of prayer and you want to see the kingdom expand and souls saved and the poor served and you want to see wounds healed and families reunited, begin obeying the prompting. And there is a prayer room, quite literally, we've built a prayer room into the structure of this facility so that people that desperately need the prayer that they need can ask for the prayer that they want. So God in heaven, may every soul in this room feel empowered in this moment because they have clearly discerned their identity as a daughter or as a son in the Lord. And they are moved, they are moved to do one of two things, to either begin a life of prayer like a five-year-old would and just utter comments of gratitude and thanks for the Father who provides all things that are good or for the brother or sister who's been praying for many years, but longs to begin praying in different ways for other people so that they would be fully surrendered before you, God. May each of those persons have the courage today to begin doing so. In your mighty and your perfect and your powerful name, we pray, God.